0: After breakfast, what's before lunch?
1: It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch.
0: They really—I don't know.
2: It. I haven't bought a hoodie in years because everything I own is just gross branded shit.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, dude!
1: The they were like, you know what? Else? I'll sell tickets to this movie. These people at radio stations mm-hmm. wearing our sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Hoodie, or I guess it's not a hoodie. It's you know, it's like a performance fleece from Old Navy. Well, God it. Ooh, it's fine.
0: Y'all remember those commercials? You think Tom Hanks wore that.
2: A hundred percent. I guarantee Tom Hanks wore this. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's not close enough. By the way, you're gonna have to um. lean closer. I know you want to be relaxed. But my back. You can take the mic out of the
1: no, stand. You yell at me for flipping no, it around. No, it's anytime. fine. Look, as I figured it out. As long as you it don't out. go.
0: I figured it out. Did you? Yeah.
1: Besides, I'm the one who does no, that. No, I
0: don't have to give the
2: mic a hand job. We'll see. A couple minutes from now, Lisa will be like
1: yep. mouthing it. And then. <laughs> I think we just strap it to our face like a feed bag. Oh, oh my yeah. god!
2: We could all get Britney Spears headset yeah. things.
1: Yes, which would be awesome. I mean, hey, listeners, we're all wearing Britney Spears headset <laughs> things <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. You, so
0: but also, cool. we have it on our Amazon wish list. If you want to, you need for us. ones. Yeah, <laughs> that would be
1: awesome, man. Do we have Amazon wish list? We'll just buy those. Amazon.com/slash/Weird Brunch. Yeah, I don't know. If that we works. should we'll make create
0: a wish list and yeah. see what happens. It's just
2: weird that weird headset and then some like alien finding things the My, spirit rods yeah. mm. uh i don't know some type of giant map mm-hmm. for karina
1: mm-hmm. like
0: a large 10 foot by 10 foot map Hell a, yeah! a bunch of um history uh, elementary school history things for mm-hmm. me yep mm-hmm. horses aren't from here yeah, yeah.
1: trade routes and shit mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I don't know. Love I guess mine would rovers. be like,
2: maybe actual pictures of crime scenes.
0: Yeah. Or like the... Or just the like f- a bunch of crossword puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> which I love. Uh, <laughs> I love a good,
1: I love a good C word, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then I am going to Puerto Rico really mm-hmm. that's fucking
0: cool mm-hmm.
1: through the whole weekend
0: are you gonna smoke a cigar maybe are you gonna drink rum maybe are you gonna be like call me hunter s thompson in the rum diary probably not are you okay.
2: going with your new lady
1: yes i am yeah <gasps> oh. we're going is to... this your first trip mm-hmm. that's exciting she's gonna surf and i'm gonna watch
2: <laughs> that-, <laughs> that sounds about right yeah it does I see you with like a very large brimmed hat like oh that's a
1: good idea mm-hmm. like I'll
2: be reading mm-hmm.
1: I'll be right over here no I'm gonna watch with binoculars Now, just everything. check in it's with me style. every 30 you're minutes so I know you're okay <laughs> that sounds fun I packed a sandwich <laughs> oh no it has sand in it <laughs> I'll eat it anyways you have fun do you want your capri sun? Because I'm gonna put it back in the cooler if There's you're not gonna have it. There's a on the front of it, though. It's just
0: you like you. To, you need to reapply sunscreen. Mm. Come on out of the water. It's time to re lotion. <laughs> Don't talk to that stranger. Also, you have to sit out
2: for at least ten minutes while it sinks in, which is the most excruciating part.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is gonna be a good trip.
0: Mm. I hope you think of us the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: will now. Just in the background. I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing extreme mom energy on this. Hell yeah. Yeah. Now, I've never been to the Caribbean, so I'm really excited. Is it going to just... be
2: super warm there? Yeah. Or does it cool up, down?
1: Like highs of 81, lows mm-hmm. of 79 kind oh. of shit. Yeah, Hell yeah. That like, sounds awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. It's technically the end of hurricane season, but I don't see anything coming. And you... you're
2: a meteorologist, so it makes sense. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Did you get an Airbnb?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a little bungalow on top of a hill that overlooks the ocean where the humpback whales go <laughs> what? through. Yeah.
0: Speaking of humpback whale, uh-huh. I feel like all y'all are gonna be doing is but Well oh, yeah, that's true. Nice. Hell yeah.
1: I'm here <laughs> There's nothing else to do on the western here for western the coast hour. of Puerto Rico. <laughs>
2: I think I would cry if I saw an actual whale. I'd just be like, "Oh, I it's know. so beautiful." I'm
1: really hoping it's supposed to like whale watching season. There is supposed to be like late December through March. I'm hoping that like, well, I mean, global we'll get some November. early whales, yeah. Global warming, it's global warming, yeah. right? Well, speaking of
2: you know nature and <laughs> um, um, you know like global warming and all that fun stuff, uh. I'm going to talk. Oh, wait. Welcome to Weird Brunch. You're listening to our podcast. I'm Whitney Lemon. I'm Lisa Friedrich.
1: I'm Karina Magyar. This is a podcast.
0: This is a podcast. <laughs> this is exactly one podcast.
2: A single podcast. <laughs> back to nature. Back to beauty. Back to life. Back to reality. Um, I was just about to fucking were say Were you that, really? Yes. Fuck yeah. So... I'm going to talk about something called the Four Pests Campaign, which was part of Chairman Mao Zedong's um, Great Leap Forward Greater Campaign, where he um, put forth a lot of efforts to make China more industrialized and it kind of really it just fucked over a bunch of people, and a lot of people died. There are different sides of the story. It's gigantic. There was so much stuff going on, um, but a lot of it didn't really work out. Anyways, this particular part is the four pest campaign. So,
0: the four pest campaign. Yeah, pests. Oh, like I thought you were saying, Pez for a minute. Four Pez
2: campaign.
0: Real excited.
2: Um,
1: it's a lucky amount of PES. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the Great Leap Forward was happening in China from 1958 to 1962. And part of that, the Four Pests campaign, was four pests that they determined needed to be eliminated to you know, make for a healthier living and also to keep their crops from dying and being depleted because starvation was a real thing over in China. Um, the four pests that they identified that needed to be eliminated were were rats, number oh, no. one. That makes sense. For spreading plague. Mm-hmm. Two, mosquitoes, which were responsible for spreading malaria.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, you know, most scientists say that if we got rid of every mosquito on the planet, it's the only species we could eliminate and it the planet would be like, good. Really? Yeah, nothing eats them. Nothing needs them. They're completely worthless. They're could,
2: just here to keep the population down. That? That's <laughs> the problem, right? Yeah. Um. So we got rodents. We got mosquitoes. Number three, pervasive airborne flies. So just oh, hell yeah. annoying ass fucking flies. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one, Eurasian tree sparrows. So, the first three kind of make a little bit of sense to me. (laughs) But (laughs) the problem that everybody had with the sparrows was that they ate their grain and their fruit. And the government declared also that, quote, the birds are public animals of capitalism. So, the CPC, the uh, communist, sorry, police academy communist police academy yes uh i would pay to see that yes Mm -hmm. uh they're like
1: they did go to russia i think that was like seven police academy seven six something like that no one needs to know that well i'm looking
2: it up do it (laughs) so people are like you know what Mao, we are In it to win it, and we're gonna get rid of all these pests. Let's do it. It was like a big PSA campaign. It was like, stop letting those cock or those flies fly around your house, just fucking kill them. Uh, And (laughs) people were like, yes. So they would. China's
1: big, very enormous.
2: Yes. Billions, right? Live in China? Is it into the billions? It's
1: not into the billions, and it wasn't at that point for sure, but a billion.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So people are like, we got this. So the thing about sparrows is that they're so kind of, you know, they're sparrows. They're little flitty, little flighty, flighty, flitty little birds. (laughs) And if you're outside all day going whack, 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 like with pots and pans, the sparrows that would normally land in your trees are not going to land in your trees because they're fucking terrified. So the whole country is on pest patrol. And so they're walking around. They're banging on shit. Eventually, sparrows are kind of, some of them are falling out of the sky from exhaustion and death. Like they can't land anywhere or sit down. So these sparrows are just, Dying and falling out of the skies. People were encouraged to destroy sparrow nests wherever they could find them. They would break the eggs. They would kill the little chicks if they (gasps) found chicks in the nests. That's rude. People would shoot the birds down from the sky. Um, And there were just mass attacks on these this sparrow population.
0: Forced bird abortion.
2: Yes, like (laughs) even worse than that. Um, So with this campaign, it's pushing that sparrow towards very close to extinction. And people aren't really realizing that this could be a bad thing yet. On top of the sparrow stuff, government agencies were giving awards and stuff to buildings that were extremely clean so kids would get awards for having like the largest number of rat tails or like bags of dead mosquitoes and flies to prove that they had killed these (laughs) pests that were on the four pest list that's awesome Um, (laughs) the people that um Sorry, there were people, obviously embassies around that were like, I don't know about this. Like, Mm -hmm. "We're, we're a goddamn embassy. You're not coming over here. And the Polish embassy was one of them. And it was the Polish embassy in Beijing. And they were like, you can't come in. And the people around were so mad that they were like harboring sparrows that were just like hanging out in their trees in the embassy that they stood outside of the polish embassy for days with drums and just drummed until all the sparrows that were there that were flying around couldn't land and they just died and fell out of the sky Oh my god okay by um just throwing rat tails over the <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. by 1960 uh Chinese leaders were starting to change their opinion due to the influence of ornithologist So Sin Chang, who pointed out that sparrows ate a fuck ton of insects on yeah. top of just picking up their grains. And um, potentially, rather than getting rid of the birds and that increasing the amount of grain you end up with, it, probability of it yielding lesser grain because of the birds not being mm-hmm. there to eat the insects is a big possibility. <laughs> and Mao is like, okay, okay, we're gonna switch from sparrows to bed bugs. And oh, okay. people were like, okay, fucking whatever. That seems a lot harder to kill. Yeah. But also, uh, if it was easier, <laughs> yeah. bed bugs gonna be around, but. <laughs> Even though they switched it, the damage was done, the extermination of the sparrows led to a severe ecological imbalance, and insects destroyed tons of crops as a result of the absence of their natural predators. The locust populations in China ballooned and swarmed the country, and uh it exacerbated problems that were already being caused by the Great Leap Forward in general where they were kind of forcing, they deprivatized farming so it you had to be like farming for the government. Yeah. You couldn't do it on your own and that was fucking shit up and then all of the crops were dying anyways because locusts were eating them. Uh, it also encouraged widespread deforestation and misuse of poisons and pesticides because there are all these new fucking bugs and the farmers are like we don't know what to do and the entire like extinction almost of the birds resulted in what people think well it resulted in the great chinese famine in which 14 or 15 to 45 million people died of starvation in China because of this Sparrow campaign. Um, Yeah, so it wasn't a great, good idea. (laughs) Uh, People are still, even today, like Mao Zedong is kind of, I don't know, he can either people think he's really good or really bad. Like he's mm-hmm. not like the most hated guy. Yeah. Um, right. because I guess he did do some good stuff, but ultimately oh. all of that and the great leap forward led to like millions and millions people's of people's deaths and it permeated into, you know, like T V and still modern stuff. Now people talk about it and reference it. But um yeah. That's yep. my short little story. Love your sparrows. Love your sparrows. Just don't... I just feel like, you know, don't extinct anything. Don't you know? extinct anything. Just don't extinct Except anything. Except mosquitoes. Except mosquitoes. Yeah, I'm good to take out mosquitoes. But yeah. still, like, if we did get rid of mosquitoes and the human population, I mean, are we, like...
1: Are you saying they're, they're would the only thing keeping our us in boom? check? Yeah, maybe,
0: right? <laughs> I mean, there's only one way to find out. Right? Yeah,
1: let's figure it out.
2: And then we'll have already. to invent some new type of blood-sucking disease-spreading
1: no. insect. That was the thing I read, is that if you got rid of mosquitoes, nobody would mind, no animals would mind, except something else would fill that niche. Right. You know, it's just a more good ticks. niche. Yeah, more ticks. Ugh,
2: I... I would, I prefer mosquitoes over ticks.
1: Yeah, for sure. You can just swat a, a mosquito. I've
2: never had a tick either, but they terrify me.
1: Yeah, Lyme disease terrifies me. Yeah, Lyme disease is yeah, real. life. Eech. Police Academy 7, by the way, oh. was Mission to Moscow. The final police Mission academy. Mission to
2: Moscow.
1: And then it had Ron Perlman and Christopher Lee, which I really? do not remember. Wow. Yeah, so a star-studded A star-studded cast. cast.
2: That's impressive.
1: Uh, anyway, I'll go with some old timey rock and roll stuff. Uh, hey, guys.
2: Just take those old records off the ship. There you go. Hey, Karima. Now sing
1: the rest of it. <laughs> I don't
0: know the rest of
2: it. I
1: think that's all that needs to be saying, true.
0: I'm Tom Cruising and I'm by myself. isn't that what he's singing tonight? That's it. what he's yeah. those are the little shower words. every morning,
1: yeah, and then he cries.
0: isn't that the thing though where he slides in and yes yeah. okay, risky business, yep, you got it. he was he's so cute. he was
1: he yeah, actually,
0: now he just looks like the mask from vanilla sky Ew. that's just his personality now,
1: mm, that's he's true. still
0: it great actor i don't know i haven't seen him since what he did the mission impossible movies are fucking great
1: he's really good at running very fast
0: y'all beck got out of scientology i'm sorry i
1: saw
2: that really the whole thing didn't he say that he was never a scientologist well he Uh, should back up off of that but he did denounce
0: it
1: good for him maybe i'll feel less weird about liking his songs
2: i didn't honestly i didn't know he was one in the
1: beginning. He was so. one of those I was always in denial about.
2: I always have been upset about Elizabeth Same with Moss. Elizabeth Moss,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. She seems
2: way too smart for that, but...
1: She must not be. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Will Smith, too.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Will Smith and John Travolta make sense to me.
0: John Travolta? I don't know. Will Smith doesn't really make sense is to me. Is Jada one? Is mm-hmm. she, the whole family the whole,
1: is. Yeah.
2: Willa... Uh, Wait, Willa, Willow. 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 Willow was at a show at ACL Live a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Oh. She was at Brockhampton, y'all. Oh. And I was like, what are you doing all the way over here? Yeah.
0: I didn't see that. You're not from around here. <laughs> <laughs> now whip your hair, girl. Come on. Uh,
1: Sorry, Karina. Uh, please. Hey, guys. Yes.
2: Just <laughs> cut all that shit out. No. no. It was stupid.
1: So it's the tenth anniversary of Balloon Boy.
0: Yay! Yay! Really, it's just been ten years.
1: Yeah, I know, right? It's been a long decade. Um, what have we been doing? With if our lives? you don't remember Balloon Boy, because I know a lot of our audience is in middle school, <laughs> um, what happened? <laughs> what had happened was uh, so this happened. Richard Heaney and his <laughs> <laughs> that's his name no
0: is it not heine i knew a heine
1: that's h-e-e-n-e so i'm gonna go with mm-hmm. heine. Okay. Heine. maybe heen but i like Heine. i don't remember he and his wife mayumi who was born and raised in japan uh were construction workers slash video editors kind of like odd job doers in colorado Task and, Rabbit. <clears throat> yeah, kind of like Task Rabbit before Task Rabbit. And mm-hmm. they happen to have been on Wife Swap in two thousand eight. One of the more highly rated and well regarded
0: <gasps> I do remember that part of the story.
1: Episodes of Wife Swap. In fact, they were selected for like a best of reunion show back when that whole thing happened. <clears throat> Still happens, I guess.
0: As far as I'm concerned, there was only one wife swap, and that was the
1: dark sided. <laughs> So they didn't quite achieve that level of fame. But it gave Mr. Heaney a taste for Uh, fame. Other wives. He also, and other wives. He also fancies himself an inventor and a meteorologist. In fact, he hit up a lot of local newspapers and radio stations with some meteorology tips and finagled his way into a short-lived stint, helping a local TV station chase thunderstorms and tornadoes. All right. before they got kind of tired of his antics because um, he was just trying to get famous, you know? Mm-hmm. So this was all late 2000s. 2008 hits, the recession, remember that? It was yes. bad. Yeah, really screwed up. When I up
0: graduated college.
1: The, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, remember when America fell apart? So, um, yeah, that that screwed up his remodeling business and the video editing business. And so they were really scraping by. He was like... Basically, bagging leaves for money. Um, but he had a good idea. He had figured out, he had invented a foil backed balloon kind of thing that you would fill with helium. And because it was covered in foil, you could direct it or drive it around by running electrical currents over its skin. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an early version of a drone. Mm-hmm. You could float it up there and you could use a remote control to like trigger electricity and fly it around and it could go pretty fast and he thought oh this would be cool we could like make these and sell them people could race them or something you know you can make them really big too so like you could have people riding them like blimps except they're run on electricity instead of whatever Mm -hmm. this was his dream the thing that kills you i mean the helium is still gonna kill kill you you. but oh well no helium is inert hydrogen's the one that goes
0: i thought helium was flammable Oh, is it? You said inert, but I, I said a nerd.
1: <laughs> Helium
0: a nerd, y'all. Helium's
1: big nerd. Uh so anyway, that was his big dream. And he built one of these prototypes twenty feet in diameter with sixteen plastic sheets and two rolls of duct tape. And then he takes ninety
2: nine red balloons. <laughs> Helium is non flammable.
1: He okay, there you I go. Was wrong. He taped a little basket <laughs> to the bottom, and then he was going to do a test launch on October 12th, 2009, which happened to be his 12th anniversary of, so, what? of his, his marriage oh. with Mayumi. So they were running all sorts of videotapes in preparation. The idea was that they'd generate a lot of publicity uh, with this launch, and then people would be interested, and he could sell a lot of these balloons. So a couple of weather delays happened, but finally there's a good day on the 15th, and he's like, all right, let's uh, pump five tanks of helium into this sucker, and it turned into a big Jiffy Pop ball. And then he hooked a stun gun to the basket and ran a million volts of electricity on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was going to like release it about 13 feet into the air with a tether, and then use the electricity to drive it around. Had a camera set up, he was filming everything uh and then uh they released the pin and the balloon went up and the tether wasn't tied and the balloon just kept on going up
2: of course uh
1: so on the tape he starts yelling at his wife and about 30 seconds later they're looking around for their youngest son they had three sons their youngest son falcon oh (laughs) and they can't find falcon where's falcon And he remembered, oh, my God, he was playing inside the basket all morning, but they told him to get out of there. But now they can't find him. Oh, my God, Falcon is in the balloon. So Richard calls the FAA uh, and, like, says, yo, there's a balloon with a boy in it. (laughs) Uh, I can't get it. It's flying away. My electricity is far away, and I can't drive it anymore. And, then the and he wanted NCAA, them to track well, it on uh, radar. And FAA was like, hey, call 911. So Mayumi calls 911, but the emergency operator can't understand her because she's so Japanese. Uh, and <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Try a little harder, operator.
2: Jesus.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Wait, where are they from again? Well, he's from Colorado, but where she's from Japan. They're in uh, Colorado, Larimer County. Which is like halfway between Denver and Fort Collins. So Richard calls Channel 9 in Denver, KUSA, and says, hey, could you get your traffic helicopter up there and see if we can find this balloon because my boy's in there? And then he jumps on 911 and talks to them. Anyway, so he's now officially alerted the media, basically. Before Uh,
0: talking to 911.
1: Yeah, and this turns into a huge kerfuffle. It's immediately on Fox News where Shep Smith is just narrating his heart out about this six-year-old boy inside of a balloon. Save him. They're all tracking it, like all the helicopters and everything the balloon of course starts to leak and it slowly floats down into a freshly planted field 50 miles away from their home plops on the ground ambulances converge they look in the basket falcon's not there what cop said he saw something fall out a few miles before and so they're searching and they're searching they have a search parties looking for like a fallen boy or whatever making phone calls, and while one person was making phone calls from the kitchen of the house, he hears a scream, and there's Falcon at the bottom of the stairs crying. He tells his parents he was hiding inside a box in the garage's attic. Mm. So the cops had searched the whole house while this was going on, but they didn't find the boy in the attic. Anyway, Balloon Boy... Did
0: the boy not trust cops?
1: (laughs) I guess not. Balloon Boy was safe. He said... Uh, He was playing with his cars in this box, and then he fell asleep. That's Mm. why I didn't hear people calling his name. Same. Later that evening, after this had dominated the day's news, um, (laughs) remember before the president did that, uh, Wolf Mm. Blitzer, oh my God, so sad, was interviewing the family on CNN, and he asks Falcon, why did you hide so long? uh and the boy like doesn't seem to understand so his dad says he's asking falcon did you hear us calling your name at any time and falcon's like uh-huh oh. and his dad said you did well, why didn't you come out and then falcon says um you guys said that uh we did this for the show <laughs> and his dad just says
2: man uh.
1: and my mayumi is like no no <laughs> so like anyway they're busted they're oh busted. shit <laughs> Uh, the law enforcement comes back, starts yeah, I bet taking Wolf statements. Wolf
0: got a huge heart on. Right oh in that moment. yeah. Uh,
1: taking statements and everything, Mayumi cracks under pressure, takes a polygraph, and while she's taking the polygraph, she confesses to the whole thing that it was a setup, that they were trying to get publicity for a science-based reality show that they had pitched to the producers of Wife Swap. Mm. Um, and anyway, they were disgraced but more importantly uh Richard was tried and convicted of a felony um I can't remember what, the exact like nature inciting of the felony a
2: panic isn't that
1: I mean it was like basically misuse of law enforcement resources okay. or whatever um hoaxing whatever he was uh, in jail for a little while a couple months and got a felony record
2: Fuck that guy. Fuck you, Richard.
1: So, yeah, that's basically how the United States of America felt about him after that. Uh, they moved to Florida.
0: Sure. Naturally, they where else there do you in the go? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Richard continues being like a handyman, uh, and apparently he's really good at it. Uh, he gets his sons interested in heavy metal music. They start a little heavy metal band. Richard What's films a short documentary Oh, my God. What is it called? It was pretty good. I'll look that up. Uh, the Heavy Balloon. Richard Films, uh, one of their bands was called Balloon Boy No Hoax. Because they denied the whole time that it was a hoax. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even yeah.
2: though the kid confessed to it. At
1: yeah, but Richard never did. Richard right. just refuses to let anybody call it a hoax. Um, How oh, was that band's name?
0: Led Zeppelin. it's fucking great it's so rare that i get a heeny boys
1: it's called heeny boys heeny boys heeny boys so he films a a video of them and then they like write a heavy metal rock opera called american chili and he's pitching it to Hollywood agents he thinks this is like amazon prime material Mm -hmm. he's still hustling but people like nah 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 uh, and he's still making inventions, like a crazy person. He's making tons and tons of inventions. Let me see where I can find some of his cool inventions. I mean, like Bell's that father. thing
2: he made was cool. Yep. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't need to be a dick about it.
1: So he invented uh, something called the Bear Scratch Back Scratcher. Uh, and some Heeny Duty truck transformers. Mm. And Headbanger Energy Shots. And something called the blowjab that you put in your pants to keep your nuts cool. Anyway, the blowjab? Yeah, it's some sort of cooling system for your shorts.
0: Just throw another valve in there. <laughs>
1: so. Swap that valve. He's, he's just distraught that he can't go on Shark Tank to pitch any of this because the producers won't let him on the show because felony.
2: Right, right.
1: Uh, so he's trying to get the governor of Colorado, the current governor of Colorado, to like expunge his record of the felony so that he can apply for shark tank that's his big campaign he's got lawyers on it
2: i'm surprised the people Pushing. of shark like that seems like the perfect yeah you think they'd want to put on yeah. shark tank like get yeah. all this publicity you'd think they'd be i guess the, but helping him
1: i guess they won't you can't like get investments or something like there's some reason you can't like sure do this as a felon um So anyway, so this uh, reporter from 5280 magazine catches up with him for the 10th anniversary. It's the only one he agrees to talk to. Like, everybody's swarming around the 10th anniversary. They all want to catch up with him. And he's like, I'm trying to put the balloon boy thing behind me, you know, aside from writing rock operas about it and whatnot. He's living in New York now, reconstructing homes. Uh, They're doing okay. Um, The kids are all grown up and kind of like loving life.
2: I looked up Balloon Boy now. He looks like a dick.
1: Yeah, kinda. Um so this fifty two eighty reporter is like interviewing him, getting all catching up on all this stuff, and he's like, Hey, uh You so you really this really wasn't a hoax, right? And he's like, No, I mean it wasn't a hoax. It was for real. I really thought my kid was in that basket and if you go back and watch the footage it's like i'm not that good an actor like i was seriously freaked out that my kid had died and the reporter's like yeah actually if you watch the footage this guy is like either oscar level acting which doesn't make sense or he Mm. really thought his kid was in trouble the reporter digs up the lawyer. okay so the lawyer gives him the case files to prove that The lie detector test that Mayumi confessed under Mm -hmm. was no good. So he digs out a 1,000 pages of files and reports and unreleased discovery and stuff like that. Past due notices. All sorts of weird stuff is in there, Uh, including the uh, production company contract for the home science show that he was applying for. Like, everything is in there. And he finds some handwritten notes, and it says, Notes from Mayumi, and it's 12 pages that her attorney created during the actual lie detector test and he's okay. like oh my gosh okay so this is the transcript basically right so it says mimi wrote richard redesigned flying saucer many times he started 30 feet uh and and he found a way to make it really expensive but it wouldn't fit in our backyard so he made a shot list and we shot an intro of this project on the couch with the kids oh. We started building a flying saucer and shooting the process inside the house because it was snowing. And then we have a video of Falcon saying, I want to get inside of it. We shot that for sure. At night, Richard asked me to remember the story of Lawn Chair Larry, who was the guy who in the 80s famously flew around Mm on a balloon, right? And Richard mentioned, what if Falcon hid for half hours later and landed, then got mentioned in the newspaper? Falcon can hide in closet in the basement so this is the kind of thing she's saying on the lie detector and then she goes we were never going to launch flying saucer because strong wind changed our mind because of the wind might crash cars or something richard said three tests then quit that's why i thought he was acting so strange after flying saucer went off he went so hysterical because he started hysterical i took it seriously we did not know whether falcon was in flying saucer or in-house or anywhere um and then let's see So, yeah, and she goes on and on and on. Anyway, so according to the notes, the reporter's like, this is pretty obvious what happened. They were planning to do a hoax, Mm -hmm. but then they thought they weren't anymore. They kind of called it off, but their kid still Still thought it was the plan and actually successfully hid
0: in the wrong
1: place because he's a six-year-old boy so he did the plan but he hid in the wrong place and they really thought he was in the balloon Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like a planned Mm -hmm. hoax or whatever um so there's a motive like basically the intent was there but the execution was just all kind of messed up right so the reporter calls he he has this and he calls richard back And uh, reads this whole thing. He emails photos of the notes and like reads the whole thing to Richard. And he's like, what's up with this? Like, Mm -hmm. so you were planning to do the hoax. I mean. Clearly. You wanted to thought about it. Yeah, exactly. And he goes, no, none of that actually happened. Everything she said never happened. And the reporter's like, so you didn't suggest that Falcon could hide in the closet or in the basement? And then he hears Mayumi suddenly say in the background, I made the whole story up
0: what
2: uh, of course and then he's richard's
1: like-, like what no he richard says they're on a facetime call and richard whips around like what and Mamie's like i made it up and she starts crying
2: what And richard's
1: like what do you mean you just made it up what the fuck are you talking about you said you didn't know what this is why would you write this and she says to save myself because of the kids and he's like, Oh my god, what the fuck? What the fuck? Every time you write something, you cause a fucking shitstorm and they have a huge fight. Oh, because <laughs> oh, she didn't want to lose. She, she basically is. confessed to something that never happened.
2: Uh, so I, they're Mayumi. fighting the whole
1: time. Yeah, and Mayumi's apologizing, and the reporter's like, He the reporter asks again, Did you make up the story in the notes for your attorney? And she says, Yes. And Richard says, Mayumi, you're covering your mouth. I don't think he could hear you. Yes, Mayumi says again this time more clearly. So this reporter uncovers that it wasn't a hoax at all, that they really thought their kid was in the balloon, and that Mayumi told the reporters it was a hoax so that to make the cops go away because she was right. so confused about what was going on.
0: Oh my that's God.
1: yeah. So ten years later. Levels, if man. you believe this reporter and the exchange and you believe Richard is being real and not acting right then apparently yeah he was totally fucking framed for no reason and is a felon for no reason and this was all just a huge misunderstanding
0: shit so is colorado gonna let him off
1: i don't know that's the campaign like it's like a literal kind of campaign to the governor to like expunge the record damn yeah
0: Eh,
2: I mean, I guess he kind of has proof now. He's got a better leg to stand on.
1: Kind of. Although I'm still like, why was that six-year-old boy asleep in a box in the attic? Yeah. That's the part that I'm like, look, six-year-old boys do weird shit, but. Right. I've never had my kid like hide for that long when people are calling her name. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's that part's still suspicious to me. And then why did he say what he said on the TV? Yeah. On CNN. But then he's six. Why do six-year-olds do they anything? Do
2: weird things, yeah.
1: But yeah, interesting. I'd be
2: just way too afraid to stay hidden because I knew
1: I'd get in trouble. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm. You decide at home. What do you think, listeners?
0: We'll put a poll up.
1: <laughs> I'm still a little <laughs> on the hoax train. I, I mean, think it's still think like it's a hoax the gone wrong.
2: Idea was planted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe he didn't tell everybody to do it, but it's like, oh, now's the day that we're going to do this. and mm.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Or maybe like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the kid was crying because he pussed out (laughs) and didn't get in the balloon. He was (laughs) like, man, I really got like the cops were mad at me for not getting in that balloon. So I just like kept hiding.
1: Yeah. Who knows what? Was talked about or the, all the misunderstandings. I mean, that those went kids on were there. on
0: wife swap. Like, they're fucked up yeah. already. Exactly. That they whole are.
1: family's clearly got something on their brains. Yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe like mom and dad said the show, and he was like, no. no more went, shows. Don't make me go back. Yeah. <laughs> what a show. Hmm. That's crazy. Um, Well, I guess, you know, kind of going back to governments doing. Fucked up shit. Mm. Hell yeah. I'm going to bring it on home. Um, so I'm going to talk about prohibition and um, what I will be referring to as uh, one of the first crack epidemics that the, uh, you know, instigated by the government. So um, as we all know.
1: Actually with you on that one.
0: Same with AIDS. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the... It wasn't from a monkey. Okay. No one fucked a monkey. Um, so the... We all know Prohibition happened, right? Um, on the uh, 18th of November in 1918, there was the Wartime Prohibition Act <coughs> signed by, I believe, Woodrow Wilson. Um, and the, that one was no booze over 1.28% alcohol. Okay, like that's that's weak, but also... So we're not being dicks right get now. You fucked up off of it if you yeah. tried. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to drink a lot. You'd pee a lot, but you <coughs> mm-hmm. can get there. Um, so this was signed to save grain during wartime. All right. That said, um, like it was signed uh, November 18th, but uh, the armistice for World War One was signed on <laughs> November, November 11th. 11th. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the damn war was over and they were like, "Eh, fuck it, let's go. Um, I mean, I guess after war you still want to save grain. Whatever. It still seems a little shady to me. Uh, So the Wartime Prohibition Act took effect on June 30th, 1919. So it was signed, but then, you know, how laws work. Um, And then July 1st, it was going to be in uh, play for one year. So July 1st, 1919 became known as the thirsty first, which I love. That's I like that hilarious. too. I would celebrate that. I love you, early twentieth century for that, <laughs> and that alone. Um, the U.S. Senate proposed the Eighteenth Amendment on December eighteenth, nineteen seventeen. So before it even took effect, uh, the Senate was like, "Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's just let's just get rid of it." Um, so this was approved by the 36th state on January 16th, 1919, the country went dry one year later on January 17th, 1920. So mm-hmm. we all know 1920 that year prohibition. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we, they did see drops in cirrhosis, death rates, um, admissions to state mental hospitals for alcohol, psychosis went down, um, arrest for public drunkenness obviously went down. And I liked this, uh, the rates of absenteeism also (laughs) went down Hmm. cute um lisa can we pause for a
1: second am i doing something weird
2: noise will you move your mic
0: slightly closer to me okay stop collaborate and listen
2: Okay, I think it was rubbing up against your boob down here, and you could hear it. Sorry about my tits. I was like,
0: what Jeez.
2: the fuck is that noise? <laughs> and that's what it was. Okay, and we're back.
0: Sorry. Sorry, there was a derail for my tits. Um, yep. <laughs> they're always in the way. The cows so, eat them
1: for hey, they hide the dirt on daddy's shirt there, all
2: whoa sorry that's Is that a like a
1: song. patty cake song <clears throat> for? yeah you guys okay. don't know that folk tune and it's not about your tits it's <laughs> I um, wish that'd be funny
0: i know mama's got a squeeze box how about that there you go um so absenteeism's down good job you're showing up to work uh blue monday was actually coined around this time because people would get so fucked up during the weekends that they would be Incredibly hungover on Monday and either just not show up or just right. be depressed. Um, so by 1925, so five years into this, there were anywhere from uh 30,000 to 100,000 <laughs> speakeasy clubs in New York City alone. oh yeah! So, folks, is doing the backlash. Um, so we've got bootleggers, street gangs, uh, that are smuggling, stealing, and making their own alcohol speakeasies of course um we've all seen legends of the fall <laughs> we know how this goes um at least the bootlegger. RIP god god that fucking movie uh, I love it um people truly believed like the people that backed this law like they really believed that this would start a new era of upright behavior in America mm-hmm. and they were so pissed that that was <laughs> not happening um
1: it was not a coincidence that it passed the same year that women got the vote because they
2: wanted it women to be women's like, fault
1: yeah women were like please please do something about our men being drunk all the time
2: please make them stop beating so, us." so yes exactly the temperance movement was yes. a lot
1: driven by women feared for their safety and their financial
0: health so there's yes that that's definitely part of it but part of the reason behind that is that women like if you drank as a woman in public you were assumed to be a a prostitute that too so in general women weren't drinking however when this happened women started being like oh we all can't do it well that means we all can bitch (laughs) um so this is actually kind of when women started Started drinking drinking yeah which is
1: it's kind of ironic
0: yeah it's so weird um anyway most of the smuggling was done out of Canada uh they cracked down really heavily on that and uh bootleggers and crime syndicates responded by stealing massive quantities of industrial alcohol <laughs> breaking bad a, like isopropyl
2: alcohol
0: uh yes I have an entire list somewhere but it's the stuff that's like used in paints and solvents sure uh, mm-hmm. medical supplies fuels uh and then they would Methyl- re. <laughs> uh they would redistill it to make it drinkable. Um industry alcohol is the same as grain alcohol at the beginning, but then they mix unpleasant chemicals in it to render it undrinkable. Um
1: rude. But, I know. Seriously, stop it.
0: So the people that were de- Wait, the U.S. government started requiring this denaturing process in actually 1906. So people that wanted to um, uh, use those industrial alcohols, they had to start putting in that gross shit Mm -hmm. so that people wouldn't just drink, because it was so strong. Right. I mean, we've all had those uh, Everclear punches. Um, So... If they wanted to avoid taxes levied on booze, they had to start putting this fucked up shit in there. Um, The U.S. Treasury Department uh, was charged with overseeing alcohol enforcement, and they estimated that by the mid-1920s, some 60 million gallons of industrial alcohol were stolen annually to supply the country's drinkers. Um, In 1926, President Calvin Coolidge, bitch... Uh, Decided to turn to his friend Mm-hmm
2: Cool cow Cunty cunt
0: Um, Decided to turn to chemistry as an enforcement tool So uh, Some 70 Denaturing formulas Existed by the mid-1920s Most simply added uh, Poisonous methyl Alcohol to Mm -hmm. the mix Uh, Others used bitter tasting compounds that were less lethal, designed to make the alcohol taste so awful that it became undrinkable. To sell the stolen alcohol, uh, the industrial alcohol, the liquor syndicates employed chemists to re-nature the products, (laughs) returning them to a drinkable state. So, this poor alcohol... (laughs) Well, know? It sounds it's like when they lot. tried to
2: make synthetic weed and they were like, well, Oops. just change the, you know, just change the chemicals mm-hmm. in it just a little bit to make it not illegal. And then everyone was
0: like, we're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Now I'm on like, did the government yeah. do that? Um, so the bootleggers paid their chemists a lot more than the government did. And the chemists were really good at their jobs. So they were really good at taking thank you science yeah Yeah. to just like moving it back to okay Um, stolen and redistilled alcohol became the primary source of liquor in the country federal officials uh, then ordered manufacturers to make their products far more deadly of course by mid 1927 the new denaturing formulas uh, included some notable poisons kerosene and brucine uh, gasoline, benzene, cadmium, iodine, zinc, mercury salts, nicotine, ether, oh, formaldehyde, salts. chloroform, camphor, carbolic acid, quinine, and acetone. Wow. Good God. Um, so. All of
2: which still exist today. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, most
0: of them, I mean. But we don't have to drink it unless you want to. Um mm-hmm. So, methyl was obviously the most deadly, um, and the Treasury Department demanded that up to 10% of the total product had to be methyl, which is also known as wood alcohol. Um, It has no color or distinctive odor. Uh, It tastes like drinking alcohol, but it breaks down into a form of formaldehyde once you have drank it. Um, Drinkers don't notice it at first. Produces a short-lived inebriation, quickly followed by a hangover. Which, like, that's kind of like Chantix, right? Like, you smoke a cigarette, you're going to get sick. Right. But m- most of the time, it fucking killed you. Um, right. Make you go blind.
1: Yeah, it really would.
0: Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, headache, nausea, severe abdominal pain. Could go blind, paralyzed, or killed.
1: Alcohol poisoning. It's fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, fortunately, and this is sweet. Bootleggers usually used uh, they diluted their liquor heavily, so like even if that ten percent was in, in there, they would just like ha- like high school kid fill it halfway with water, right? Yeah. Um, so that reduced the danger. Um, so sweetly, not
1: the- sure that was the reason more on it. Yeah, not profit. I'm just-, just you
0: know when I when I hear bootlegger, I think of Brad Pitt, and <laughs> he was such he was, a hot God, fisherman. Damn. Mm. God damn um fly fishing so that's not that's the other one it's river runs through it
2: fucking whatever it is man they're the same movie (laughs) doesn't brad pitt die in both of them
0: i'm leaving i'm pretty sure um so the results were immediate and this is a story that's told uh, in multiple different places but christmas eve of 1926 uh, a man walked into the emergency room at New York City's Bellevue Hospital, and he was afraid of Santa Claus. He was flushed, gasping with fear. Santa Claus, he kept telling the nurses, was just behind him, wielding a baseball bat. Ah! Holy shit, what? Mm -hmm. Um, Before the hospital staff realized how sick he was, the alcohol-induced hallucination was just a symptom. The man died. So did another holiday party-goer, and Mm. another same party as dust fell on christmas so like you know almost 24 hours later the hospital staff tallied up more than 60 people made desperately ill by alcohol and eight were dead from it just in one night within the next two days yet another 23 people died in the city from celebrating the season enter charles norris um The briefest history I can give on Charles Norris, but he's an important dude. Uh, He was born to a wealthy family in Philadelphia on December 4th, uh, 1867. He studied medicine at Columbia University. And then he traveled to Berlin and Vienna to further his medical studies. Before Norris, medical examiners did not exist. Um, so city coroners handled the dead bodies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were no prerequisites to that were required to be a, a coroner. Anyone could just walk in and be like, "Yeah, I'll check out the." Yeah, dead I got it. <laughs> He's got a hole in his head. Yeah, He's, looks like an uh. oh yeah. <laughs> this one had a boo boo. <laughs> so, making money was the only motivation for coroners, uh, and they were paid per body. Nice. When, when more bodies were quickly processed, more money was made, payment could also be made if someone didn't want anyone to know what they yeah, slip them Yeah, <laughs> slip them a nice, shiny
2: dollar coin.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it was back then, you know. It was back then. Dollar coins. Mm-hmm. Um In other cases, if the cause of death was not apparent, it ended up as just another cold case. So, like, this was years and years and years and years and years of people just being like, "Mm, I don't know. Um, So no one took the time to do a death investigation uh, into unexplained deaths, and science rarely played a role in law enforcement at all until Charles Norris. So when he went to Vienna and Berlin, he realized that the Europeans were developing a way to use scientific evidence in the criminal justice system. Uh, Norris had faith in the concept. Uh, my boy? Yeah. <laughs> Ten years earlier? Mm-hmm. That was, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and he, there were certain alliances that were like, these coroners are fucked up. So Norris started talking to them. Um, and they... Wanted trained professionals investigating the cause of death. So in 1918, Norris was appointed chief medical examiner at Bellevue Hospital in New York City. Uh, His job was to investigate suspicious or violent deaths. Now, the New York mayor at the time, quote, Red Mike Hyland, this is just so fucking 1920s, wanted. A medical examiner that would do favors for him and mm. norris would not he was a good dude um he wanted to have like a medical justice system purely based in science <laughs> i'm a good guy um to help with this he asked alexander gettler who is known as the father of forensic toxicology in america so these are like Two badass dudes that no one fucking respects because they've got new... Right, yeah. These, they're heretics. Made-up titles. Yeah. Um, so, and they're being all mean about legal shit. And they've created the first toxicology lab in the country. So they successfully solved many cases to toxicology. They actually, at some point, um, found out that, like, one of the first, like... It's not matricide. Was it where you, you're yeah. a mom yeah. that kills your kids? Oh, oh no. Uh... It's the opposite of that. Uh, Andrea Yates is a
2: child You know what?
0: This is slightly
2: still on topic, but weird. I got my dad's toxicology report yesterday. So if you would like to see an actual one, I have it. It's 19 pages long. Damn. crazy. Mother That's thorough. Yeah. Yeah. It's Was weird. there anything surprising? We can no. talk offline. No. Okay. Nothing,
0: Nothing surprising.
1: surprising. No.
0: All right. Um, By
1: the way, prolicide, which I had oh. never heard before.
0: Like proletariat?
1: Yeah. Like hmm. proles. Yep.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So the, when... Gettler and Norris are, like, hanging around doing all this shit. They're seeing that, like, pharmaceutical companies are not required to disclose information about their products. They didn't have to test them. Uh, And people were misusing products that had, you know, that caused death, right? So they're (laughs) like, shit is fucked up, yo. Uh, So... He's trying to raise the alarm that many deaths involve cyanide, arsenic, lead, carbon monoxide, denatured alcohol, <clears throat> yep. radium, and thallium. But he was like, the public was like, "Pussy!" Like they were just like, <laughs> "We like our." Shrugs. You're such a nerd. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the opioid thing now. Where it's like, right? Norco's fine. Suck my dick. Yeah. Um, huh. So Norris was like. Fighting. He used his own money to keep this department alive because Highland's cutting his funding. The next mayor That he, while he's there, Jimmy Walker, he Sounds also like a good old boy. Yeah. Sounds like a racist. Um,
1: oh. I feel he, like
0: that's kind of part of being a good old boy. Yeah. yeah. The best old boy. Uh, that's someone's joke. <sighs> Shout out to whatever Austin comic I just stole that from. Um,
1: sounds like Taylor Dowdy. <laughs> you
0: know, I was going to say Danny Goodwin. Um, oh, okay. Hmm. It's Probably neither of them is someone. Nah, no one's gonna get mad. It doesn't matter. I'm cutting Um, cutting the whole thing. (laughs) uh, Come on. Uh, so Jimmy Walker did not help Norris with the budget issues. Um, but he didn't like hate Norris like Highland did, and then the third one, Mayor Fiorello. LaGuardia. Oh uh, didn't trust that motherfucker and accused him and his staff of embezzling close to two hundred thousand dollars. Everyone just shits on Norris. Um so he was treated twice in Europe for exhaustion. Oh.
1: And then Brittany
0: on <laughs> yeah. September eleventh, nineteen
1: thirty five. He died figured. of
0: heart failure after his second trip to Europe. So literally IAP. Mm. these people killed them anyway um so while all this alcohol is being poisoned um charles norris says at a press conference the government knows it is not stopping drinking by putting poison in the alcohol <laughs> yet it continues its poisoning processes heedless of the fact that people determined to drink are daily absorbing that poison mm-hmm. uh-huh. knowing this to be true the united states government must be charged with the moral responsibility for the deaths that poisoned liquor causes, although it cannot be held legally responsible. Um, I agree with that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, practically all of the liquor that's sold in New York today is toxic. Like, he's just screaming this shit. He publicized every death. Um, and then he, uh, you know, Al- Alexander is like analyzing all of this, like confiscated whiskey and stuff. Um and then he, this is where it gets like history is forever, um, but he starts condemning the federal program for its disproportionate effect on the poorest residents. No. Right? So well, I would have
1: thought the rich people would have been hurt. The I most.
0: know, but here we are. Um, yeah, we wealthy people could afford the best whiskey available, which was likely Imported, real whiskey, yeah,
1: untainted. Yeah, like,
0: Um, But most of those sickened and dying were those who can't afford expensive uh, protection and deal in low-grade stuff. That's a quote. So the numbers were not trivial. In 1926, in New York City, 1,200 were sickened by poisonous alcohol, and 400 died. A year later, the Treasury Department grew frustrated, um, so had the Anti-Saloon League – that's true, a real thing um, Mm – And the, they were a lobbying group, spearheaded the 18th Amendment in the first place. So, the, you know, they're the people that are like, we thought that this was going to make people be chill. Um, so, at their urging, the Treasury Department decided to get even tougher. Um, and then they boosted the percentage of wood alcohol. Um, and in 1927, the, the deaths climbed from 400 to 700. Um, The numbers were, and that was just in New York City. The numbers were repeated in cities all over. Um, Furious anti-prohibition legislatures pushed for a half, a halt in the use of lethal chemistry. Like everyone, fucking over half of everyone is like, this is murder. Like we are murdering people. Um, actually, uh, Senator James Reed of Missouri, which I would not expect Missouri to do this, but he said, only one possessing the instincts of a wild beast would desire to kill or make blind the man who takes a drink of liquor, even if he purchased it from one violating the prohibition statuses, because it was not illegal to drink liquor. Right. It was illegal it. to distribute or make. Yeah. Um, so now... But you're
1: really surprised that Missouri was... In favor of anything to make Prohibition look bad?
0: They have a Precious Moments Chapel. I don't trust Missouri as far as I can throw the it.
1: The home of Anheuser-Busch?
0: The home of the Precious Moments Chapel? <laughs> <laughs> Poorest state in America, too, right? Missouri? Yeah, isn't Not it?
1: Not in the 1920s. The no. Show
0: Me State. Um, <laughs> Is that a
1: cure kind of reference? No. no, that's their actual state nickname.
0: Yeah. What does that mean? It means show me anything that doesn't uh, bring up evolution and we'll believe it. Um, Can't wait for all the Missouri hate mail to come flying in. Uh,
1: It means that people in Missouri were reputed not to believe anything unless they saw evidence. Got it. Mm -hmm.
2: Like, not necessarily
0: true anymore.
1: Nope. (laughs) Nope. Things have changed since... Whenever they wrote that nickname.
0: Um, So by the end of Prohibition in 1933, and the reason it came to a halt is the Great Depression. So um, some people were doing some numbers and they were like, holy shit. Uh, 14% of the money we were making before all this was coming from taxes from alcohol mm. we lost 14% of our money which could actually probably go into why the Great Depression happened at all mm. Mm. I mean there would have been more cushion for mm. the cushion
1: the government didn't go broke during the Great Depression people did
0: guns don't kill people <laughs> people kill people Um, so at that point, um, 1933 FDR is like, no, fuck this, we're done. And, um, it was again, mostly money related. It had very little to do with the fact that they were murdering people, but, um, the federal poisoning program had killed at least 10,000 people by the
1: end of prohibition. That's not a small number. Impressive.
0: Um, and then they were, you know, they just keep doing this kind of shit
1: yeah and all those delightful prohibition era distribution laws are still on the books
0: yeah there's a lot of like dry counties and shit mm-hmm. like that
1: yeah which is why liquor licensing in texas is so fucked up it's so oh fucked. yeah
0: it's insane well it's fucked up everywhere almost mm-hmm. like
1: yeah most states have really messed up blue laws still
0: Mhm. Mhm. they make it very very difficult um
1: well, they just encourage corruption is the real problem. Yeah. It's all about paying people off. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: anyway, um, don't trust the government. Okay. I mean, I think
2: that's a lesson learned through mine. Don't.
1: Don't like, trust the Chinese government.
2: Just don't eliminate things. Ever.
1: Don't, don't trust Wolf Blitzer. Mm-hmm. Don't trust Calvin Coolidge.
0: Perfect! Yeah. Fucking Calvin Coolidge, man.
1: It's the worst. He really is the worst.
0: What a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't That's know. It. George Bush might be the worst. George and Dub. I'd
2: uh, say Donald Trump is the worst.
0: Uh, Honestly, Donald Trump hasn't... Never mind. I'm oh, going to get into war Jesus crimes. Christ. What is about to happen? <laughs> <You> no, <know>, because... <laughs> what? What? He said it was illegal to fuck dogs today. Is
1: this Thanksgiving and he did practice? And the
2: women's coin thing also. What's the women's coin he, thing?
1: It's the only money women are allowed to have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
0: We don't need to talk about that. No, it's We're not Thanksgiving yet. We're not here yet. for current events. I don't know. There's just some people are war criminals and some people are just fucking terrible. You know? True, literal villains. Yeah, like I'd hang out with George W. Bush. I would never hang out with Trump. But George W. Bush, fucking.
1: You could argue that pulling out of Syria the way he did. Anyway, why are we doing this? Nope, we're not. Thanks don't for know listening. Enough to do this. Me either. <laughs>